we have been looking at foundations being established in Genesis. Um, Last week, we looked at the establishing of, of time, the days and the weeks, um, and uh, the uh, work week. Um, what is God establishing? He's establishing a measure of time. Um, again, we're linear creatures. Uh, God is eternal. And so uh, we, we can't comprehend eternity. We can't fathom eternity. Um, you know, I, I can't remember who it was we were talking about. Uh, somebody asking, "What what are we going to do all of that time in eternity?" Um, well, number one, we can't call it time that we spend in eternity because it's eternity. But um, I, I don't know because we just don't know. We we're, because we're linear, because we're temporal, we can't understand what eternity is going to be like. Um, and, and so. I, I'll tell you when we get there, um, and uh, we'll be able to discuss it and enjoy it together, I'm sure. But in this, uh, as God's creating the world, He's an eternal being, but He knows that He is creating creatures who are, are linear, uh, who measure time, and so He's establishing a measure of time. Um, he's established uh, a work and a rest pattern. Um, again, it is important important for us to... Uh, get our work uh, and rest in. Um, don't don't schedule vacations that are um, really workcations. All right. Uh, sometimes we can pack that schedule so full uh, that we don't have time to sleep in. It's okay to sleep in uh, sometimes on vacation. We 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 don't have time to get to bed on time. Um, we have to be careful even in our our everyday lives. Um, think about this, beloved. Even Jesus got tired, right? The human body has limitations. doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't perfect or wasn't God, but he put himself in human form. And so we need that rest. We need to be good stewards of our time. Uh, I can tell you that at least three days out of this past week, I hit my sleep goal. Um, you say, Pastor, what's your sleep goal? None of your business, uh, uh, I, I know how much I need or I'm learning how much I need and, and how much you need is probably way different than me. Um, I, I knew guys, I had a, a boss that I worked for. I think the guy only slept about two hours a night and I mean, then he could catch naps standing up um, all throughout the day. Um, but he could just go on that. Um, so we need to know ourselves and we need to understand God is establishing a, a pattern of work and rest, and we need to rest our bodies. Um, we uh, talked a little bit about the uh, day-age creation or gap theory of creation, um, and I, I don't think we should be fearful of that. I think it's um, very easy for us if we will look at, at Scripture simplistically um, and, uh, and, and look at what it says that it, it's an obvious six-day creation. Um, and uh, we, we don't have to fear uh, what science may be doing or trying to do to a creation theory. Um, 
Then we come to another aspect, and that is purpose and beauty and work. Um, Everything that we see um, that God is doing in that first chapter, as he looks at it, he says, this is good, or this is very good. Um, It's uh, joyous or pleasing, uh, good, pretty. There's an idea of a fitting together with purpose and order. Um, And so as we look uh, at our work, what should our work look like? Well, it it ought to have purpose and order. There ought to be a beauty to it. Um, We ought to work on those things. Um, I, I always try when I'm doing something that people are going to see If I can't type it out, I always try to be careful about my handwriting. Why? Because my handwriting is terrible, and my teacher could not get it out of me to hold, not hold my pencil like this, all right? You're not supposed to hold your pencil like that. Um, And so my handwriting is small and and, uh, sometimes uh, hard to read. Um, And so when somebody's going to benefit from that or I'm going to give it to somebody, I want to make sure that that I pay attention to that. Um, As as we lay our work out, um, as we carry out our jobs, no matter what nature they they are, we ought to have a a beauty about it. There ought to be an order to it. Um, Kids, don't turn in assignments to your teacher with scribbles all over your page and uh, pictures drawn all over it. and It ought to be orderly and neat. Why? Because that's what God did in creation. He established what our work should look like. It ought to be beautiful. It ought to be good. Um, how should we go about it? Uh, we ought to go about it in an orderly fashion. Um, if, if you're finding that, that maybe you're, you're scattered um, and how you're, you're dealing with uh, work and, and you can't get projects done, it may be that you, you need to sit down and evaluate and say, okay, how am I approaching this? Am I doing this in a right way? Uh, I remember in uh, college as I, I, worked at, um, I worked at a custom design and manufacturing machine shop, and uh, we built what were called cookie cappers, and we built cookie packers, uh, let's see, uh, tray packers and cookie packers. Um, the uh, cookie cappers, uh, if you eat an Oreo cookie, um, I have probably touched the machine that made your Oreo cookie, or at least that brought the, uh, the sandwich through, put the cream on, and then stacked it on top. Um, those, those were machines that, that we made and designed for all kinds of companies around the world. Uh, one of my jobs uh, was to uh, make sure that the quality of the parts was what they should be, uh, especially the customized parts. If the quality wasn't good, then you're not going to get the machine to do what it ought to do. Um, and one of my other jobs was to work alongside with the assembly department and to have tables ready for them to assemble the machines. Um, When I first started that, um, guys didn't like me too much because parts were just stacked all over the place on these big tables, and 
and um, they were having to search through and they couldn't find anything. And, and I finally said, you know, I, I don't like not being friends with these guys in the assembly department. They're really nice guys and I'm a nice guy too. Um, and so I don't like having to, to uh, search through all of the piles for them. And so I said, something's not right about how I'm doing this. And so I said, there's got to be an order. There has to be a way um, for, for them to be able to do their job efficiently. And so I made it my goal to lay out all of the parts for, for each type of machine that we made. There was an order to all of the parts as they laid out on the table. And every time we built a new machine, they could go to the table and they knew that they could walk to a certain part of the table and they could find the part that they were looking for. What is that? That's glorifying a God who is a God of purpose and order. Um, it, it's bringing order to uh, your workflow and, and to the things that you're doing. What did it do? It helped those men as they worked to be more efficient in their ability to assemble a machine. Um, it cut down their work time. And having a pattern cut down my work time because I knew where everything went when I put it on the table. And so um, we should go about it with, with a, a joy. I took pleasure in that. Um, I found joy and fulfillment in, in figuring that out, um, going into the, into the uh, stock room and, and reorganizing shelves so that we could find parts in an orderly fashion and they were categorized by section of machine and type of machine. And um, there, there's a purpose and beauty to that. And, and we ought to go about it in a, in a happy manner, a manner that, that says, hey, I, I'm bringing glory to God. Um, and then what can be said about it when it's finished? Um, as, as part of, of, of working uh, and, and making sure the quality of these machines or these parts were right, um, I had opportunity to work in the paint department and work in the grinding and finishing department. Um, and at first, when, when I began to work there, I saw parts as parts right? Um, you know, this is a shaft. This is a, a cover that's going to go over um, one of the, uh, uh, one of the, uh, the uh, areas for the jets. Um, I saw them as parts, but then I began to realize as I began to learn, you know, these companies are paying a quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars for these machines, and when these machines go to them, they're not just parts. It's a brand new machine. And I began to think, you know, when they see it, it ought to look brand new, right? Nobody wants to buy a car. And uh, the salesman says, this, hey, this is a brand new 2024. It's got, it's got five miles on it. And you walk out and you look at the car and it's got dents and scratches and the doors and on the hood and uh, you're going to have a dispute with them. Um, and so I, I had to change my view of, of what I was working on. They, they weren't just parts. This was a brand new machine that somebody was going to put on their line and people were going to see. Um, and so the, the parts that I put into that machine, the parts that I worked on um, and uh, made sure that they were right, uh, I, I began to understand 
that when they all went into that machine and that machine went out, it was reflection of who our company was. And you know what? It ultimately, for me as a believer, becomes a reflection of the glory of God. And so how I did those parts, whether I decided to be lazy one day and let some things slip, that was a reflection of how I viewed God and His glory. And so... Uh, the purpose that, that God had in His work and the beauty that God had in His work. Aren't you glad that God had some purpose and beauty about Him? I mean, wouldn't it be strange if the sky was green and the grass were blue? I mean, drive up through the mountains. I mean, I, I drove the Kankamangas Highway, uh, I think this past fall for the first time during the fall. And man... What a wonderful, beautiful drive. God, in His, in His creative beauty, did something that was good and beautiful and pleasing to the eye. And so, uh, as God was creating and created this way, then so ought we as His children, as, as believers, uh, to do that. And, and so we see a, a purpose and a beauty in work. But we also see... As we are going through this, the person of man, the person of man, and God is answering the existential questions, right? Who am I? Why am I here? And where am I going? Um, and so as God is laying this out, now we see the person of man. Who am I? Well, I'm an image bearer. Chapter 2 and, and verse 26 what does it say? Or chapter 1. Sorry about that. Uh, in verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so we see that, that we're created in the image of God. The idea is the likeness or the form. Um, and, and we can state it this way. I am God's own personal creation formed by his hand and life given by his breath. I am to live for His glory as a reflection of my Creator. We're created in His image. Now, there's debate about what that exactly is. Um, you know, I, I can see that, that we're created physically and spiritually. Um, you say, well, how does that all go together? I don't know. It depends on if you're a dichotomist or a trichotomist. Does anybody know what that means? One, uh, depends on, on whether or not you, mean, you believe that man is body, soul, and spirit, or, or body and soul. Um, and lots of people argue over that. Uh, but I can say this, when it comes to that aspect of man being created in God's image, there is a physical aspect to us and there's a spiritual aspect to us, right? Um, and we see that as well. We see a physical man manifestation of the Godhead, and we know that the Godhead was present. Why? Because he says, let us, right, 
make man in our image. All right, and so we see all that are active there. Um, the Holy Spirit is active. Christ is active. We know that from John chapter 1. Um, and God is active in creation. And, and so uh, we're created in His image, in His likeness or form. Uh, we also uh, ask this question, what does this tell us about our outward appearance and actions, what people see of God's glory in us? Think about that. If we're created in God's image, if we are created in His likeness, if we have a, a physical form, we have a, a spiritual form, what should, we, what should we be doing in light of that? How should we, how should we look in this world? Um, there should be a distinction about us um, and, and appearance can be distinct in many ways but, but do we look like the world do we act like the world you see our actions matter how we look matters do people look at us and and say there's no difference? Do people see us live our lives and say there's no difference? You know, this world goes uh, to many vices. Um, we've seen testimonies of young ladies who have been tainted by the world. They've been put in a place where they, they believe to have love and acceptance that they have to live and act and look a certain way. Um, we're the children of God, and we know better, right? We're, we're, we're heirs, we're, we're sons of God. And as such, we ought to live that way. Um, we ought to not find and try to find our identity in things of the world, but to understand that our identity and, and our personhood is found in Christ, and so our, our actions, our identity, our, our spiritual walk, those are all things that reflect the glory of the Creator and show that we were created in His image. What has, what has the, the flesh and, 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 and uh, human nature done? It's raised its fist to God. I mean, we're seeing it now saying, God, not only do I not agree with you, but God, now I'm going to rewrite the creative story, right? God, I'm going to begin taking hormones because that's going to make me better. I'm going to be able or to begin pursuing surgical reassignment because, because that makes me better. You see, our actions are important. what we do. God is creator. And so we're created in his image and we need to remember that as we live our life. Why am I here? We see. Why am I here? We find that we're here for stewardship. For stewardship. Look, look at uh, verse, or chapter 1 and verse 26. 
chapter 1 and verse 26. Look at, at uh, just the, maybe the third line in in your Bible. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Um, verse uh, 28 uh, through 30, God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree and the which is fruit uh, of a tree yielding seed to you it shall be for meat and every beast of the earth and every fowl of the air and everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so. Um, we see that, that God put us here as stewards. Work, dress, Keep the garden. We're to have dominion. We're to subdue. Um, sorry to burst the bubble, but work was created before the fall. Um, I've heard people say, oh, if only Adam hadn't fallen, we wouldn't have to work. Uh, no. What was the curse? That he would have to pull weeds and the thorns and thistles would grow and he would work by the sweat of his brow. And I believe in, in the garden that, that the work that Adam did was fulfilling. He found enjoyment in it. Uh, it was a wonderful thing. Um, God created work. And so we ought to look forward to our stewardship. Um, how does this affect my place in the environmentalist movement, right? Because we see the Bible referring to subduing the earth, to having dominion over it, all right? How does that affect my place? Uh, well, we are to subdue the earth and to have dominion over it. And in so doing, we're to be good stewards of it. Now, that doesn't mean that we come to a place of Romans chapter 1. You remember what happens in Romans chapter 1? They set God out of their thinking. Sound like 19, early 1960s in America. They set God out of their thinking. Oh, we can hold a moral value without God. That didn't last very long, right? And Romans follows this progression of sin to the point where they are worshiping the create a creature more than the creator. You say, well, you know, what about these people that want to save the earth? And well, I think that we we need to be responsible. We need to be cautious. We need to be uh, thinking people, right? Um, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be caught up in an emotionalism. But we, as believers, ought to be good stewards. All right, it doesn't mean that that we have to uh, to crank down on policy, but it also doesn't mean that when you change your oil, you don't walk out to the back side of your property and pour the oil in the grass. All right, um, that's it's not being a good steward, is it? Uh, it's not taking care of God's creation. Um, when when I worked at uh, the electronics de design. Uh, firm uh, in Ohio, we used a chemical called trichloroethylene, um, and uh, it's uh, very uncommon because it's a very caustic, it's very toxic, 
uh, chemical. We used it to degrease and clean things. We didn't go out on the back of the property and say, well, we're done with this trichloroethylene. We're just going to dump it in the creek that goes by. Um, no, we had to dispose of it properly. Um, and so let's treat the, the, the earth and, and the things that God has given us uh, as good stewards. Um, and, and then understand this, that God created the earth to fix itself. Um, and so there are aspects of, of things that happen. We don't know. Um, I might be able to come up maybe with a basic figure uh, but there was a point in time before the flood, uh, the, uh, the earth was highly populated. Uh, we don't know how technologically advanced they were, but boy, if Cain uh, and his relatives were uh, metal workers and we're only talking about two or three generations in, who knows what it was like 1,500 years uh, or so later uh, when the flood came. Um, but, but God created the, the earth to fix itself. They, they've seen it. They've observed it in the ozone layer. I, I know that uh, there are those that harp about a hole in the ozone layer, but uh, there are those that have looked at it and seen that, that there are aspects of the chemical makeup of our atmosphere uh, that help uh, repair that. And so uh, why am I here? I'm to, I'm to be a good steward. What does my act of stewardship do? I want you to, to think about this. Um, what does my act of stewardship do? Uh, because we're, we're just in Genesis. We're at the very beginning. We, we don't have the rest of the Scripture, at least at this point, uh, to, to tell us how we ought to live. And so at this point, it's a stewardship, stewardship of the garden. What does my act of stewardship do? It brings glory and shows honor to the Creator. What was Adam to do? Dress and keep the garden. Have dominion over the earth. Subdue it. All right? Be a good steward. All right, now we have the whole Word of God revealed to us. Okay? How we act, how we steward what we know brings glory to God and honor to Him. And we ought to do that with our lives. We ought to be good stewards. Um, the purpose uh, of man, or excuse me, the person of man is procreation. We see that as well. Um, be fruitful and multiply. Um, we're to carry on God's work by managing the continuity of plant, animal, and humankind. In uh, and, and Genesis 1 and verse 22, before man was created, it says God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let fowl multiply in the earth. Uh, he repeats it to man in verse uh, 28 of chapter 1. Um, man is here for procreation. God didn't expect it for it to be just Adam and Eve forever, Right? Um, he said, be fruitful, multiply the earth. Uh, part of that was man taking dominion over, over the beasts of the field and, and being a part of, of that procreation as well. Um, and so we're, we're here to be fruitful and multiply. Um, we also see within the person of man that God set uh, uh, boundaries 
God set boundaries. Um, look at chapter 2, verse 15. When we get into chapter 2, we're, we're kind of jumping into an account of the sixth day of creation, and, and we'll talk about that maybe uh, a little later. But uh, chapter, uh, or excuse me, verse 15, it says this, And the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress and to keep it. And the Lord commanded uh, the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So what has God established now? He's established boundaries. He's established boundaries for man. God never leaves us to ourself or without His purpose. Think about that. God never leaves us to, his, to ourselves or without His purpose. He has a purpose in everything that He does. We're not intended to be alone. We're not intended to be on our own. We were intended to have boundaries set in place. And God said to Adam, he's, and we'll, we'll see, you can see in this account that, that after all creation happened, God planted a garden and he called it Eden and he put man in it and he had man name the animals and he gave man boundaries. He said, look at this wonderful garden. There's all manners of trees that you can eat from. It's a wonderful place. You're here to dress and to keep it. That is a boundary, and of all of the trees in the garden, you are free to, to eat and to enjoy, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're not to eat of it. Now, that's a pretty simple boundary, isn't it? But the truth is this, I need boundaries in order to operate freely. I've heard people say this, well, it's a free country. I can do whatever I want to do. Really? Is that true? I've heard people, young people, get mad and say, I can't wait until I leave home and join the Marines, and then I'll do whatever I want to do. Now, that definitely isn't true. But... The wonderful thing about boundaries is there is freedom within those boundaries. And God understood that. God knew that Adam and Eve, and again, we don't know what, what could have been in, 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 in a, a thought process if man had not fallen as far as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, it doesn't matter. But we do know that God placed boundaries for Adam and Eve. The wonderful thing about boundaries is we know where we can operate. Boundaries are good for our homes. Boundaries are good for our children. Boundaries are good for our marriages. Boundaries are good for our workplace. Uh, boundaries are good for our country. If we didn't have boundaries in our country, we would not be the freest country in the world. We would be an absolute anarchist mess, right? Think about it. The freedoms that we enjoy, we couldn't enjoy 
if there were no boundaries. Be in fear of walking out of your house because of what somebody else might do to you because it was right in their eyes and not in yours. God established boundaries for man. Um, and beloved, if we will understand this truth that I need boundaries in order to operate freely, you know what begins to happen? I begin to look at the Word of God and I say, Thank you, Lord. You, you've given me some boundaries. I know how to live. I know how to please you. I know how to be safe. Um, no, nobody wants to run over the, the cliff unknowingly. I did that one night at my granddad's. Thought I knew where I was going and I ran off that 30-foot cliff and experienced that wily Coyote mo moment. You know the wily Coyote moment? where he stops in midair and he feels around and he looks around and then he looks down and he realizes there's nothing there and then he drops. I mean, that is exactly what it felt like. Oh, that there were a fence there and I didn't have to fall off a cliff. Now, I only fell about eight feet and, and grabbed onto a, a root that, that kept me on that ledge. But, but still, a boundary would have been nice, right? Boundaries would have allowed me to operate freely in the game that we were playing that night. And so, as we look at this, and I know the, these are simple things. These are simple uh, observations that we can make as, as we look at God at work in these early chapters of the Word. But they are things that, that help us give context to the rest of life. And so, rejoice. Listen, young people. Boys and girls, look up this way. When your parents give you boundaries, be happy. You know what that means? It means they love you. It means they care for you. It means they, they want you to be safe. It means they want you to know how to, to rightly live and to honor and to glorify God with your lives. Beloved, when we find boundaries in Scripture, rejoice. Because we have a God that loves us. And there's a reason why he put that boundary there. And oh, the, the sorrow that Adam and Eve experienced when they crossed that boundary and realized that now their freedom was lost. And may God help us as we consider these things. Next week, we'll uh, begin looking at a new aspect where uh, we'll see God the creator uh, and the Adam, animals as creation, man a responsible creation, and... Uh, woman comes on the scene and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, give some uh, context to uh, manhood and womanhood and the very first institution that God created which was what what was the first institution marriage, marriage. thank you good answer um, I know we say we say family but it was the marriage and your marriage is important um, and if you put all your efforts into your family um, and all your efforts into children, you're going to wind up where most of the rest of the world is when you hit 20 years and, and it's been all about the children. And then you wake up one morning and you say, who is this sleeping beside me? I have no clue who this person is. Um, that is not what God intended. And so our marriage is very important. We'll uh, begin to look at those truths next Sunday. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for... Um, establishing these foundations for us. Father, help us as we go through them. Some of them are, are, are very basic, 
There, there are things that um, we know already. Some of them are, are things that we just need to be reminded of. Um, Lord, help us to uh, not see them as, as, as menial things, but Lord, as good reminders of who you are, your love for us, who we are as your creation. Um, Lord, help us to take these truths that we've talked about tonight, these principles and, and uh, observations that we've seen. And Lord, help us to be your created beings that live for your honor and glory in our lives. Lord, help others as they look at us, as they watch us, to see that there is something different. And it's different because you have changed us from the inside out. And Lord, we have, we have uh, become a new creature and we are to show what a new creature is, a new creation is, one that has been changed and is being sanctified by you, our Creator. Lord, help us to live a good testimony this week. Lord, help us to fulfill our mission this week. Lord, may we see those opportunities for gospel to be shared and to be ministered. Lord, may we uh, be the church with one another as we pray for one another this week, as we lift one another up and, um, and we encourage one another. Um, Lord, help us to live for your glory. Father, we thank you for all that we are because of you. And Lord, we want to be trophies of your glory. We want your name to be exalted by our lives. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.